Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Educator Wellness Revolution podcast from Empower Ed. And I am Gracie. I'm the Director of Educator Wellness with Empower Ed. And I'm Scott Goldstein, the Founder and Executive Director of Empower Ed. We're super excited to be back for our second season. And Scott and I were imagining how we wanted to move into the season. And we thought we would start with just a little bit of a check-in conversation and talk about how we're doing, how we're thinking about wellness these days. And then we're going to give you all some a good teaser for some of the episodes that we're planning out right now. Yeah, we're just checking in with each other here because we have a lot to <laughs> talk about summer and our own personal wellness before we, you know, we, we want to do a lot with our schools and supporting our educators. And we, there's always a lot going on personally, too. So let's start there. How was your summer, Scott? It was complicated. <laughs> It was, uh, I told someone yesterday that I had a great summer on Facebook and a mediocre summer in reality, which I know a lot of people can relate to. We took the kids to Peru and Colombia and it was an amazing trip in lots of, in lots of moments. And also the kids were kind of a mess for a lot of it. Actually did to relate to our work a little bit. There was so many moments when we were like outdoors. We like, we did horseback riding with the kids in Colombia and we did like some hikes through the woods and stuff. And man, the kids were just like, in a happy place and really good in those moments. And then we were in cities and they were like, I'm not walking one block and, you know, total tantrum meltdown. And I was like, man, they, you know, are different people kind of when they spend a little more time in nature. So that was, that was interesting, but it was, it was tough as a parent and like, they were, you know, a lot of different camps and a lot of different experiences and lots of good stuff, but also they were just emotionally dysregulated and off their schedule and ready for school. Routines are, are so important. We need them. Kids, adults, everybody. Yeah, we, I think we like my family. I have two young kids too. We like we. I think we dialed in our travel well this summer because we went to Asheville, where we have family, where we've traveled before, and it was like kind of boring on the surface. But like there were just enough things there that were familiar, and we got to spend a lot of time outside, which was great. And I, I do think when our kids are in nature, they just tend to do a whole lot better. And so we were hiking a lot as a family, which makes us all happy. And and then we came back to so that at the beginning of summer. And then we got into the summer camp schedule and here in DC, it is bonkers. Every week it's a different routine for everybody. And I, I, again, I felt, I felt like our kids did really well, but I felt like as parents, we were more dysregulated by all the different details that had to get coordinated every week. Just like set up so many ways of of doing life that make things more stressful and complicated on ourselves sometimes. I don't mean we as parents, like the system, the country <laughs> that we live in. And, you know, just hopping from different camp to different camp every week is not great for kids. Yeah. But I, same thing, like when they were, I feel like when our kids are like in one place for a little while, we're just like in an Airbnb or in a house or something and on a calmer vacation and they can just kind of go do their thing. They're They're happier. I think kids are good, like canaries in the coal mine for us too, because they're, I think their nervous systems are more sensitive than, than ours, or at least they're more in touch with them. They don't have as many ways to kind of like justify or numb their nervous system. So when they're having a hard time, like my kids have a hard time, I'm like, am I actually having a hard time? And like, most of the time it's like, yeah, this is really hard for me too. 
yeah, yeah. We, just, we just suppress and suppress yeah uh, well speaking of transitions how how is the back to school going what you're noticing for your family yourself and also for teachers right now yeah, it's always kind of we've talked about this a lot it's always it's complicated we like work in education and also and do stuff with schools but then you know you also are you know, have your own kids and experiencing back to school in that way so like i said very happy for my kids to go back to school they are i think happy to go back to school they had a they've had a good first couple days here and you know our school is great so I'm happy with our neighborhood school and you know everything they're doing to welcome kids back but yeah it's back to routine and it's good for me too I mean personal wellness you know I drop the kids off and then I take a walk in the morning and that's my routine and really that went to crap in the summer so <laughs> it's good to be back in that own wellness routine and then for school you know in education like I I'm you know I'm always excited at this time of year for schools for the education system it's it's hard to not be a teacher at this time of year when i was a teacher for so long because i always on those first days of school or the first few days before school i want to be setting up a classroom and i want to be excited about the students i'm about to welcome so i have some fomo with that and missing teaching every year at this time and seeing all the beautiful classrooms set up and all the excitement from the teachers and I always say that like you can't be an educator if you can't like wipe the slate clean every day and give people another chance and and have optimism about what you're going to achieve with yourself, your students, everything. So we get a lot of that at this time of year, which is nice. Mm -hmm. Yes, we ha we have a neighbor. We go to our neighborhood school too, and I'm obsessed with our neighborhood school. I love it because they the energy is just so good in that building. So it, it feels good just for me personally to be able to like send yeah. my kids there and get to be around the teachers and get some of that energy. And I, yeah, in general, I think all of our partner schools, I'm like asking and checking in and everyone's like, I had a great summer. I totally checked out. And I, I feel like I'm more of a sense of pride when teachers say that these days. Like I didn't answer email at all this summer. I went away and I didn't think about work at all. So I like love that. And I, th I think people are coming back ready, but also aware of challenges. We've been hearing a lot in DC around safety concerns around student behavior and things that are happening within schools, outside of schools that are coming into schools and about how to create a meaningful response about this. I know a, a W Washington Teachers Union survey just came out where teachers were, were talking a lot about not feeling safe in their school buildings and not feeling like people are doing enough. So I, I think there's that balancing that about people being excited and being ready and the challenge is just being big right now and people not knowing how to address those either. Obviously, we've been hearing all about the the challenging student behavior since students came back from virtual learning and how difficult that's been in all of our school-based wellness work and and with with our teachers and our, our teacher fellows. And it's increased so much in the past couple of years. It's been hard for everybody. I feel like this is another one of those kind of crisis opportunity moments, just like the disruption of COVID with uh, as kind of making way for re-examining yeah, how we do school schedules and the flexible scheduling conversation that we started really last year and in the same way with the, the behavior and safety issues i think it's reached a, a crisis point which is just really troubling so much for our neighborhoods because so much of this violence has been in our neighborhoods outside of schools and enabled us to have a, a conversation that is hard about how we respond to all these things and it's another one of these moments where we could choose to double down on some things that are not working or we could choose to imagine a little bit differently how we respond to to it and I'm excited, certainly this year, about teachers being part of and helping lead a conversation about what safety looks like, how 
students can feel joy and feel liberation in school equally across the city and have have the opportunity to just have school be a safe and, and joyful learning place for them. What are you excited about for this year? I'm excited. Well, first, as the shirt, I don't know if people can see the shirt you're wearing, but it's the Listen to Teachers shirt. Like, I'm just really excited to listen to teachers because they have such good ideas. And I, and I think with the safety conversation, that's like really what I were pushing a lot of our partner schools is just like, you need to listen more like host listening sessions, like teachers will tell you what needs to happen in a lot of ways. So just being able to sit and listen and have the bandwidth to be able to, uh, to be like, okay, well, this is a problem. This is a problem. Like here are like four solutions that have worked in other schools and then to create that solution together. So I get, I get excited to like feel that solution starting to emerge. And I really love making things. This is something that is, has been a lot of fun in our school work is that we've made a co-teacher roommate agreement packet last year. And then this year we adapted into a mentorship packet. So it's for a mentor veteran teacher with a newer teacher to be able to match them up in a packet to help them like figure out how to like really make that mentor relationship work. And some of our partner schools were working on writing mental health policies. So this is like how like everyone agrees from admin to all staff members of when there are mental health challenges, how do those get considered in terms of leave? How are, you know, teachers given space and support to work on that? So something that I think is sort of informal, like starting to make that formal and what that does for people's really like shared like coherence around it. So I I like to listen and I like to be creative and I like to make things and deliver them to people. So we're getting to do a lot of that right now. So that makes me happy. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Having looked at the mental health um, draft policies and and what these mentor relationships might look like, I feel like we're just doing some really innovative stuff. That's like, man, why haven't people been doing this for a while? So I feel really excited for the work we're doing with schools and to see how it goes and for us to share it with others who could really use it. So there's so much exciting happening in the work we're doing with schools and, and, and mentorships in general. This is like a, a topic that's just existed in education for so long. And there's good research about the vast majority of mentorship programs not working. And I think we're doing a really good job of listening to to teachers about what does work in the research and figuring out a, a way to craft a program that'll feel a little more organic. Mm-hmm. And then they have to do and pair people up based on, you know, what what needs they have and the 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 relationship that works for them. So I'm really excited for the mentorships in particular. And then on our advocacy side, you know, this is an exciting time of year because I have right here, like the the list of all of our fellows and what, what groups they might be in and what issues we might take on. And so there's a lot of hopes and dreams about things we can change. And I'm excited because we're in a different place than we were in a few years ago. You know, like when we elevate these ideas and we're consistent about it and teachers are heard about it, we win. And these things start changing. So we're also in a little bit of a different place now where we've started to, these ideas have started to infiltrate mainstream conversations in a way they haven't before and, and wellness too at large, like thinking about mental health days and flexible scheduling and all of that. These are not fringe ideas anymore. And people are trying to figure out how to do them well instead of if they should be doing them at all. So I'm excited for those conversations to continue. Mm, yes. And so many of those conversations are actually going to continue right here on this podcast this season. Yeah. <laughs> so we have, we have our 
first few episodes planned out. We're starting to record them now. And then a few more that we're dreaming up right now. So Scott, you want to tell us about the the first episode? Let's give a little teaser of a few things we're going to do. Yeah. Well, we want to talk about the connection between advocacy and wellness because mm-hmm. it's what we talk about all the time, right? There's really the two parts of, of Empower Ed's work is teacher-led advocacy and listening to teachers and teacher solutions to some of our most pressing education problems. And then the wellness work that we're doing with schools, which is very holistic and thinking about individual, interpersonal, cultural, as well as systemic and organizational wellness. And um, if we do this work in schools, we learn so much about what policies are really needed to sustain and support this kind of thing at a system-wide level, and we can go out and advocate for it. And at the same time, as we're advocating, we're doing the research and we're learning about so many things that might work at a school level. And so there's just such a connection between these two things. And I am so grateful that we're doing both because as I've told others before, there were a lot of people who told me for years in starting this and developing Empowered that these are not two things we should be doing at the same time, that we should not be trying to do school-based work and advocate because people will feel a tension or a conflict between those two things. And man, the last year we have felt nothing but synergy, I think, between doing those two things. So I'm very excited about the conversation about the connection. That's great. And yeah, for everyone listening, Scott is like a genius when it comes to advocacy and how to do that. And so I think it'll be a great one for anyone who wants to like start to lift that up for themselves and think more about the bigger picture. We're also going to do an episode on longevity in teaching. And I've been very passionate about this of of meeting teachers who have been teaching in in the classroom for over 10 years and someone, even some who are 24, I think one of the guests we're going to have on the episode, she's been in the classroom for 24 years. Our own Gabrielle Dubose is 30 years in the classroom now. And I just noticed that they, the way they think about things, the way they, they move through things, it's like that wisdom and knowledge needs to have better channels to be passed on to new teachers who are starting and being like, I'm so overwhelmed. How am I ever going to do this? And then, you know, a lot of them think about leaving after a year or two. So we're going to really dial in on like what works and how to stay in teaching for the long game. In one of our episodes. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're, you know, relatedly, a lot of our teachers who have been in the system for a very long time are are black and especially black female teachers. And we're going to have a third episode, you know, focused on DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and, and how that relates to, to teacher wellness, because there are so many connections. And we started this conversation at the end of our last season, but with national movements that are restricting what kind of books can be taught in schools and telling teachers how to teach curriculum that's absolutely essential. DC in some ways is moving in the opposite direction in a really positive way with new social studies standards that we have approved that are much more inclusive than the the outdated standards that we had before. But the, the kind of messages that are being sent to teachers nationally, but also here, even in this region, are, are just really, really damaging. And at the same time, there's a lot of positive work being done to uplift more culturally responsive, more affirming, more inclusive curriculum, and also uh, work that is responsive to our educators. So I think this time we want to focus a little bit more on how schools practice DEI and how that relates to teacher wellness and not just the curriculum part, but how they are build inclusive environments for their educators. And so we're going to talk to some experts who are doing that work in schools and who have some really sage advice about about how to build a more inclusive environment, how teachers can do that, how teachers can work with their school leaders on trying to create it. So I'm excited for that conversation. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're going to do one episode that's still in the planning works right now. And Scott and I were just talking about like, what's the right language to use for it. But we want to do it like a two-part episode on liberation in schools 
And part of this is around this conversation of SROs, school resource officers, and police-free schools and what that really means. And as we do, as we are encountering so many safety issues, then how do, how, how do we really like respond meaningfully? But it, I think it ties into this bigger conversation we've been having in DC. And we talk about a lot at Empower Ed around connected schools and how do schools actually become resource hubs in communities to be able to help people and help people feel really supported. Because we, we do believe in this connection between people feeling supported and having enough resources and abundance in their own life, that that is the best way to create safety. And so how do we look at how these two pieces fit together too. Yeah. And just to bring this back to the initial conversation we had about kids and struggling with all of that. I mean, people have the need to fill their buckets of, you know, feeling positive attention in a way that they feel significant. They feel part of something, whether that's their family or whether that's their school community. And they also need to fill their bucket of power, right? They need to feel like they have power over their lives and their situation. And I, and I do feel like whether it's our own kids or kids in a school environment, when people feel a sense of power, a sense of agency, we don't have behaviors in the same way. So I think this is part of talking about the police free schools conversation is it's not just about whether we have officers in schools or armed officers in schools, which I think we reject as a long-term solution, but and even in the short term, but I think we need to think and imagine what it means to build environments where students feel power, feel agency, feel part of something in their school in a way that limits those behaviors that have been very challenging for school communities, but also a lot of the violence we're seeing. And I think that can relate to so many things like the flexible scheduling conversation we had earlier. I was in a conversation last night about school building hours and how we can think creatively about keeping our schools open a little bit later for programming. What do we do with parks and recreation and, and how do we support students with behavioral health in all uh, alternative and new ways, as well as mentorship programs. So there's a lot to that conversation. I'm excited to hear from some more people on it. Mm -hmm. So we want to hear from you. Those are some ideas and episodes that we have in the works right now. We definitely have space for some more. We want to hear about themes that you're interested in us exploring. We want to hear about guests that you think we should be talking to. And we really want to hear your feedback of how what's looking like wellness in your schools. And, and um, we can start to work that into what's happening in the second season. So we're grateful yeah. to you all. And we we're very excited. If you're in a school and you see something amazing happening and you say, you know, people need to know what we're doing here and it's working, we'd love to have you on as a guest too. Let us know. All right, everyone. Well, good luck with the back to school. We're thinking of you all and we will be back with our first episode of the season soon. Bye-bye. Hi there. Thank you so much for listening to our show. If you enjoyed it, please pass it along to another educator wellness advocate and rate us five stars so others can discover our podcast. We also hope you stay in touch. We'd love to hear your questions, ideas, and recommendations for future podcast guests and themes. Just email us at wellness at weareempowered. That just looks like weareempowered.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and TikTok with the same handle as empowereddc or visit us at weareempowered.org. Thanks again. We are all part of this educator wellness revolution and we really appreciate your time and energy.